Hello, my friends, and welcome to That's Bangin', a new podcast celebrating everything great from farm to plate, ship to service, and field to fork. A celebration of everything fresh, tasty, and excellent that's coming off our beautiful little island at the moment. In association with tasty, fresh, and excellent beer, Hop House 13. Always drink responsibly. That's Bangin' with Chris and Marcus. This week, our guests are a couple who together have formed the food company Kirbini, known for its award-winning cookbook, as well as an excellent pecan and white chocolate banana loaf. Please welcome James Kavanagh and William Murray. Hello, how are you? Oh yeah, how are you? Great to have you on. That was a great intro, by the way, of your podcast. Thank you very <laughs> much. Well, yeah, very yeah. Well, yeah. We've worked really hard on it, but this is about you guys. <laughs> you are our guests on That's Bangin'. Uh, first of all, how are we doing? Are we good? Good, yeah. Cold, but Tipping good. Along. It's yeah, <laughs> it's freezing the, outside. The long winter nights, but you know, there, there's a lot of things kind of heating us up at the moment. Um, we want to kind of start off by talking about first of all, you guys as individuals, and then how you came together. And you guys have a, like a household known love of food at this point. You've <laughs> published an award-winning cookbook. You have loads and loads of loads of work, both on kind of TV, radio, brands, everything. You're you're prolific, magnificent. Iconic at this point, <laughs> mm. and also people who are really the kind of faces of the the changing Irish food movement, which is really exciting as well. Mm. So, I suppose William, we might start off with you. Can well, I? Yeah. Who was James before he met me? <laughs> Do you know what I think? That is the question on everyone's lips. Worked for a PR agency yeah. or something. Don't know. PR crony. Yeah. Um, so we, we were kind of chatting about this earlier with uh, myself and yeah, my so co-host Chris here. I read before that uh, after school, like uh, or after college, yeah, you went on and you went to Ballymaloo. I uh, did. Yeah, yeah. so you, how intense was the course there? I believe it's like a three-month course. I know you've done it, it yourself. It James, was very then. intense. Uh, I, um, I had done four years studying sculpture and I left that with, you know, no real qualification to do anything except <laughs> sculpt, maybe. Um, well, I mean, that'd be weird that if you... touch and go. Uh, yeah, came out of a sculpture course yeah. knowing how to code or something like that. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, I don't even know if you can sculpt, can you? <laughs> well, a degree... You can in... draw asses. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. A degree in, a degree in sculpture is more... Uh, it's it's just a degree in contemporary fine art. But you're not like Statue of David chipping away. No, like... I can weld though. Oh, very good. <laughs> really? Yes, I can weld. Oh, well, in our welded. eight years, I've never seen you I weld. I have a certificate in welding. Weld, oh. weld, weld. Yeah. <laughs> Willie the welder. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I, I think my parents were sort of terrified. Uh, I hadn't actually um, uh, had a, properly a job at that stage. Uh, I was 21. And I think they were a bit scared that I would... Um, not have any prospects so i um did the ballymaloo course and it was great it was um you know you're thrown in there with 60 other people from around the world uh um a lot of sort of 18 year old gap year students um which i was surprised by i thought it was i was going to be one of the youngest but i wasn't um lots of little spoilt english kids <laughs> but um apart from that it's it's an amazing course and it's um it's it. I mean, you do everything so fast. It is just three months. So you do when you leave there, you know, you I think I kind of thought, oh, I'll walk into like a kitchen anywhere now with my Ballymaloo degree. And you walk into a kitchen with your Ballymaloo degree and they're like, yeah, but have you ever had a job? <laughs> yeah, it's like, we've, we've been out, like, like a vacancy for a yeah, KP. Or, in re- <laughs> no, but in reality, a KP would have more experience than someone yeah. who has a degree in from or not a degree, a certificate from Ballymaloo. Bally it's actually putting 
those things that you learn into practice that mm. is the sort of steep hill that you have to climb afterwards and that was definitely something that I was not prepared to do and no I'm joking but it was it was definitely something <laughs> that I had worked I worked in a few kitchens after Ballymaloo um a few cafes um a few of like very good restaurants and I hated it I really hated working mm. in kitchens I really hated the whole culture of kitchens and chefs and all of that and I was really disillusioned like I really didn't know what to do I I felt like I had wasted like all of this money all of this time like oh my god what am I going to do and then I kind of just started cooking at home and using those skills just with you know friends and family and like you know I, I loved cooking at home and I loved um, the vibe of experimenting, you know, without the pressure of like being in a in a busy kitchen. And then from that, I guess I started, you know, obviously with James's encouragement, we started doing markets and things, which was a much more um, home cook sort of uh, side of the whole. Cooking a lot world. more laid back than the pressure cooker environment really, in the kitchen. And, and it comes with its own stresses as well. It definitely does. Um, but they're different stresses, and they were stresses that were I was more comfortable with. Um, and, and yeah, a lot less self conscious, a lot less like competitive, a lot less uh, more open to sort of like things looking a little bit more homemade or, you know. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. then you can put your own kind of twist on things rather than cooking something off a menu. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and for the first 10 years of working in any kitchen, all you're, you're just a grunt working, you know, making things off a menu. And, and it's not the most creative industry unless until you get to the point where you become like a sous chef or a head chef and you start creating your own dishes and they go on the menu. And even then you're cooking the same thing for however long it's on the menu for. So I just, I, I being like an impatient, you know, millennial, I wanted everything now. Right now. I, I wanted, yeah. you know, this to happen now. Um, I was already 21, which is, you know, ancient to do anything. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> all the little 18 year olds um, with all their parents' money behind them from England had already, you know, done loads of fantastic Thrilled things. Thrilled at learning to make bechamel and other kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I, 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 the, year, the year after I finished Ballymaloo, a girl the same age as me from England uh, opened up a award-winning restaurant in New York. And I was just... What? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, King, what was it's it called? King's. King's. Yeah. Wow. King's. Yeah. yeah. It's a really actually when we went to New York last. It's a fantastic restaurant. Wow. But I was just like, I that's not that's not That's not it, the typical experience. That's not maybe. my yeah. within my grasp, yes. Yeah. But I suppose, you, James, you, you're a Ballymaloo alumni as well, aren't you? Yeah, Alumni-ya. definitely uh, definitely alumni, alumni. Al- yeah. I was going to say alumnus. <laughs> I was getting my, getting my conjugation. Sounds like up. a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Alumnus, welcome. You're qualified. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. William had had done it and I was just always very, very jealous of, my friend Anthony did it as well. And I was always very jealous of the stories. You just go down and m- milking is, cows oh, and picking. It's, uh, the more, it's such a magical Ideal, place. yeah. Like, yeah. It, so, it sounds so idyllic. And then William was telling me, about it and um, uh, I was I uh, saved up and I was like fuck mm-hmm. it I'm going to do it as well because yeah. the way we co- we kind of when we began Caribini I was more the business side William mm-hmm. was the, the, uh, the food he was cooking the whole time um, I I just assisted with things but <laughs> yeah. he, he definitely drove the kind of the food mm-hmm. stuff and I was like I kind of I feel like I should be a bit more aware of how dishes are made I and- was worried that he was doing it 
so to make me like redundant. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. So he wouldn't need me anymore. That he was both the business and the food then. Oh my God. That, uh, yeah, just really just kind of, yeah, I'd like upskilling to undermine his own. <laughs> yeah. James and Darina Allen just come out together all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I am, um, but even still, like, even though I've done the Valley Milieu course and stuff, I think in a house where you have two maybe like cookery school alumni people, there's still one person really who, who, who stirs the spoon, if you will. Definitely. And that's William. Like he, yeah, yeah, he's head the head chef of our chef. house. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I loved it so much. It was I had been working for myself um for like three years at that point. And I was just I was working a lot and Ballymalu was almost like a sabbatical for me. Yeah. I'd never when I went straight from secondary school into a, a PR agency, literally like with months apart. Really? Uh, I never okay. went traveling, I never did a J1, I never went into railing, I didn't do anything like that. So I kind of was working from like 20 to uh, whatever 30 or whatever I was 30, I'm 31 now um, <laughs> 30 and it was like a sabbatical it was like yeah. I start. I started every morning went to the sea to swim I I then you know went, cooked for the whole day it was so it was like yoga for my mind I remember like, watching really, your socials at the time mm. and literally just seeing as you said there's like like blessed existence. Oh, just it was like, ridiculous! Like, and during it, like I was, I kind of got used to it. And now that mm. I look back, I'm like, oh, I wasn't relishing it enough for something. I don't know, Ballymaloo relishing it enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, nice I really product placement there, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, swipe up for ten percent. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely loved it. And then I came home, and I had, I have um, more, much more of an appreciation, I think, for for William and his ways. Um, so, so just on the, the like. On the kind of well, obviously, William, you're not only a Ballymaloo alumni, but you're from West Cork, aren't you? I'm from Cork. I wouldn't say Cork. I'm from West Cork necessarily, mm. but I am. I'm from the harbour area, which so I I grew up near the city uh, and went to school in the city and all that kind of thing. But there's still, I mean, Cork in general, there's you know the English market and everything. There's such a culture of food and growing and producers, and I mean they have uh, always said it like they are they are the real heroes of mm. like Irish food. Mm. It, it's not the chefs or, or they are heroes as well, but it's it's actually more more the producers who we should be celebrating because without them, we'd just be cooking, you know, fancy French food. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. they they have they have reinvented Irish cuisine and and Irish um, ingredients and and made them so sexy and so you know, gorgeous and tasty and amazing. Yeah. Uh, and everyone else is just piggybacking off of that, really. <laughs> so, I mean, it's very typical for a Cork person to say that everything <laughs> is piggybacking <laughs> off Cork. That was the biggest Cork speech that, propaganda I've ever heard. Is that how heard. it came across? Yeah, <laughs> just being like, They're listen. all piggybacking off it. <laughs> it World-renowned for- <laughs> Cork food. There's a sprinkling of producers elsewhere outside of Cork. <laughs> if it wasn't for Cork, Ireland would just be eating fancy French food. Unbelievable. Oh, the horror. <laughs> Yeah, God help us with Aren't our you, cockle vans and our beef bourguignons. But you know, kind of, all, you know, the, other other cultures' foods um, instead of celebrating what we have. Well, I mean, good. a lot of it is down to Myrtle yeah. Allen and her a huge amount, you know, and and what she did. And I, I remember, sadly, she she passed away around the time I think I was there. Um, and there was just this like you tear people from all corners of the world celebrating her. All these chefs, Nigella Lawson, Nigel Slater, people, you know, people in America, Martha Stewart, everyone was coming out and it was like this little woman had such an impact well, I'll have a woman to, who taught herself how to cook yeah. as well yeah well, I'll have to fact check this but she had a Michelin star yeah. at one point didn't yes. she yeah. was she one of the first women to have a Michelin star full stop Oh, I don't know. I'm not Female sure. Head about, chefs. I'm not I would sure. say definitely Ireland. I'm not well, sure in about Ireland, that, but I think in Ireland definitely. And she was also the first 
um, Michelin star outside of the sort of hotel uh, chess with the white top hat, yep. you know, the white mm. hats world um, who cooked Cocovan and who cooked, you know, fancy yep. French food in the in the 1960s and 70s in Dublin. And they, they, you know, they must have been absolutely, you know, perplexed at this like little country housewife. Um, mm. I mean, I say little country housewife, but she was a force of nature. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. was yeah. a force of nature, and she also lived in a big country house. Uh, it wasn't <laughs> not you know well Love she wasn't every she wasn't it wasn't every other circumstance, but it, she was essentially someone who. You know, she, I think a man, a man with his eggs from down the road will call to the door and she would buy them off him and use them in the food that day. And a man with some fish would come and, and that's how it operated. And I believe she kind of introduced the cheese board idea down there as well. And she'd kind of pressure the people into ordering and it, she'd she'd always include like, a, a you know, a, a blue cheese from Cork or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, she's, all, she's, she's done loads of great things. All of these ideas that are now like super commonplace in restaurants of like provenance and mm. yeah, buying your egg from the neighbor and getting yeah, the yeah, tomato yeah. from, you know, like Derek with the greenhouse down yeah, the road yeah, yeah. or whatever the hell it is. It's mad to think that, what, in like the 50s or 60s in Cork, there was just somebody doing this independently. And Yeah, and food at, food at that time in Ireland had become, had become very sadly uh, diminished and, and, and narrow in its, in its, you know, there was a lot of, the, the cheese back then would have been blocked, badly made, poorly produced cheddar, um, and we have to thank, um, you know, all of the all of the sort of drifters from from Germany and the Netherlands and, and continental Europe who bought up cheap farmlands in, in places like West Cork. Duras and all. Yeah, yeah all, all those people, kind of places, all yeah. of these families who, you know, came here uh, and to kind of get away from continental Europe or whatever and um, and couldn't buy the cheese they liked, so they started making it themselves. And they had this land, so they bought a cow, and they and that's how these things sort of started. Um, and now they are as Irish uh, as their cheeses are Irish. Um, yeah. And 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 with our 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 grass and our cows and our climate and everything, we we do make the best cheese in the world. So I mean, we can joke about Cork literally influencing the entire Irish culinary landscape, but <laughs> it is true that without it, we'd have nothing. And kind of to contrary that, I mean, you're. Cork deliciousness is in your bones. Good, <laughs> like cork milk and dairy flows through your veins. Yeah, for sure. But you're from you're from Dublin, James. Yeah. Like, did you have the same kind of love for kind of food when you were growing up? I wouldn't say I'd ha- I had the biggest like the same palate or anything like that. Mm. But I always adored food. My mum was always a really good cook. Um, n- nothing was ever like she was very from scratch type type okay. of cook. Um, she would always be cooking and something would always be made. So I kind of, I grew up with like a really good uh, love of food, but certainly not in the same sense as William. And I always kind of say like, I, I'm from Nookgrove and he's from Currabinny. And I, we were, when I mean, we were, twin when, cities <laughs> yeah. in the grand scheme. more like fishing for mackerel off the pier and we're more like eating McDonald's in the fields. <laughs> yeah. well, like that's the vibe. Nookgrove was an orchard, was it not? It was, but not like a grove not for of a nuts, long time. A grove, a nut grove. <laughs> no, Dundrum was a grove. Dundrum was an apple orchard. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Really? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Up until you when you, you remember the apple orchard in Dundrum, do you? No, I think my like dad does. Oh, yeah, I don't really remember it. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I I think we, we definitely had two very different backgrounds. Mm. Um, but I think when when we st- came together, when William, he stalked me on Grinder. that's how we met. Um, <laughs> nice, stalked. okay. Yeah. I know about that. Yeah. Now. now you did your messaging in, in lot. Yeah. Wow, okay. 
That's a, that's bang an exclusive right here. <laughs> Stalking on Grinder, and, and he didn't even have a profile picture. Did you say eight years later? And now look, like that's how you get a best-selling cookbook, guys. Yeah. From, Swipe right from Grinder's yeah, yeah, bookshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after the stalking, find someone who's really stalking. big in the PR world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever so, you can find them. No, it was only a, it was only a few messages, but he didn't have a profile picture. Uh, it was a picture of some artwork. Red and then, flag. Yeah, red, total red flag. <laughs> the thing that it encouraged me was he had really good grammar, and I mm. thought that was quite sexy. Um, and then he sent a picture of himself, and I was like, eyes oh, right. Mm. So then we we met up, and then I think when 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 we met up, our our kind of love of feud kind of fused a little bit, and we both just became obsessed with. We kind of were like, how do we turn this into a, how do we turn it like yourself? How do we turn eating and, you know, being obsessed with food into a career? Mm. Um, and then we thought about opening up a cafe. That's, you know, that's an idea that we still have four years later, never happened. Um, but then, you know, the book came about, the markets, we work with different brands. So you can do, that's the thing about, that's the beauty about food. There's so many ways you can earn yeah. a living from it. And now we're primarily food writers, I suppose. And we, write weekly in the Irish Examiner about our food. We come up with recipes. We, you know, today I was writing about how much I dislike kale and then all, while simultaneously also writing three kale recipes. Uh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, but, but but there is that with me anyway, with food, there is that like say something like kale. I, I always try and like teach myself or or kind of trick myself into liking things. Mushrooms are the same. And it's always for me, it's like, it's like, it's not, it's not kale itself. That's the problem. It's the way I've been served kale. And I've done, I'm not, I'm not convinced mm. that like massaging kale in lemon juice for hours or putting it in a juice will ever do it for me. Yeah. So I have to find ways of using kale that I like, you know, usually involves butter, but <laughs> I mean, everything. Chris, you a kale guy? Yeah, like I don't completely understand that. Like you know, and, yeah. like, kale might not be something that jumps out at you as you want, but it, everything can be done differently. Yeah. And you know, I just look a... at it in, on a plate, and I'm like, I'm gonna have to chew this for the next ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, know. and, it, and like, I'm just like exhausted even looking at it. Tears itself down yeah, your it's, throat. It's, it's, it's aggressive. Same, it tastes yeah. nice, but I'm just like effort of chewing I can, it. I think the fact that like kale is so indigenous to Ireland really feeds into the kind of the Irish rhetoric of you know kind of self-flagellation and like, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> religious oppression, like. Cabbage is deadly. Yeah, it's yeah, really good, but cabbage. like Absolutely. kale is almost there's an air of punishment and penance to it. Definitely. Same with it's and it's like what William said. It's how it's served to you. Like yeah. people grow up hating Brussels sprouts. It's probably because they've just been boiled to bits. Yeah. But if you put a bit of you know a bacon bit. and oh, butter, a lot of butter. Do you know, you can make things so delicious. I love a Brussels sprout. I love a Brussels sprout. Mad for Brussels like, sprouts. Like, actually, like, really keen on... I'm actually working on a Brussels sprout sandwich at the moment. Oh, my which, God. Well, let mm, me know when it's there, because I love... Like, kind of work... Yeah, kind of an, an angle there. Like, because people, people are averse. Mm. But, you know, like, to play the old kind of, if you don't like it, you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. yeah. And that's an, also an Irish penance thing, because they'll never tell you they don't like it. No. <laughs> there you go. James, you, uh, you talked about there, like, you know, getting Sarah Brussels spouts when you're growing up maybe and they weren't like, you know, they're, that's why people don't like them and stuff. Yeah. But like, I suppose like with your different influences growing up, how did like uh, that kind of form Corabini then and what kind of styles have been left from like, you know, the cork, the nut grove, kind of like, how does that kind of form together and like develop what you have now? Um, Our mammies, I'd say, who, who, who both <laughs> informed us with their, with their amazing cooking and their love of food. Mm. Um, and I think everyone's introduction to food is through their their mothers really or you know whoever's cooking in the house but um yeah i think we're both yeah. definitely like our our, our the food the cookbook that. in general was kind of st was very it was there was traditional elements to it yeah. it was um 
it was it, it was traditional food in, in non-fussy ways, I think, as well. But just focusing on suppliers and where you get your vegetables and where you get your meats and home cooking that, that was know. a huge part of it. Yeah, uh, we in most recipes, it's it's the suppliers because if you start off with a really good ingredient, you don't have to do too much to it. Yeah. Take something and don't mess it up. Is yeah. the best advice I was ever given in any kitchen ever. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you have great stuff like that's the ethos, like I mean, that's for perfect. Which, mm. as we've mentioned, cork really put that on. The- <laughs> yeah, we would totally. All- but yeah. th- that's another thing as well. Um, we what was I going to say there? I can't remember. Oh, forgot it. I can't remember. That's all. <laughs> I, right. I almost had it. You started but thinking you know, about like, Brussels sprouts. We had origin stories. <laughs> we've talked about everything. Kerbini as a brand is just massive at this point. Like the cookbook is amazing. It's gorgeous. Um, it is comfort food. It's homely, as you said. It's it's human. Do you know what? That's nearly what I was going to say. Really? It. Yeah. It's about comfort food. That's the thing we wanted to make, wanted to, wanted to really put forward in the book mm. was um, was comfort food and not being ashamed of, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, the, the book wasn't aimed at a diet or wasn't aimed at a, We weren't trying to tell people to eat a certain way. We eat for pleasure. And yes. I, I, there, mm. do you know what? It's, some sayings bother me like fuel. You know, mm. that f- food is fuel. I'm like, no, food is pleasure. My, my, or food is this weird thing about food being medicine. Yeah, no. it is nourishment and it does yeah, it obviously you do all me you've that. You've never had a Nurofen sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, stunning. <laughs> With a sprout. Which, uh, try just cook some sprouts in a Calpol. It's gorgeous. Oh my God, Calpol is divine. Just in case anyone is listening to this and going, is this serious food advice? Please yeah, do yeah. not do that. in the that. next cookbook. Yeah. Brushing <laughs> up uh, aspirin in your Tesla mortar. But that's what was, that was the thing I was trying to say is that that's the thing that me and William had very much in com- common mm. is food excites us. And, it, you know, we I remember last year when we went to New York we were like getting up as early as possible so we'd have more room to eat things oh yeah absolutely and, and you know you're eating breakfast you're so excited for lunch then immediately and that's how we eat and it makes us excited and uh, food is total pleasure for us that's what I want to say planning your holiday all around where you're going to eat oh my god yeah, yeah, that's yeah, literally what we do obviously 2020 has been weird for restaurants and like food travel and everything everywhere like that where's okay Say tomorrow you turn on the news and someone comes on and goes, guys, it's gone. It's like, chill out. We're good. Thanks, Pfizer. Who's the first restaurant (laughs) that you're calling to go to in in Ireland or in the world? In the world. Oh, my God. Okay, let's start. Let's do Ireland. Let's let's rewind in, in Ireland. Um, I'm I trying to think would I choose somewhere I haven't been yet but I've heard is amazing or like a, a favourite of mine that I haven't mm. had in, in Do you ages. know where I'd love to go? Forest of Marcy. Oh, I'd so love to good. sit at that bar and have that what, you know yeah. the bacon and cabbage the bacon thing. Bacon and cabbage oh. and potato. Oh, yeah. Fermented potato. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. A lot of love for Forest and Marcy. Yes. Just any like find me somebody who doesn't like it. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, like it, it just it, good like, vibes it doesn't oh my happen. God, it's lovely. And then uh, for me globally uh, I, I'm not sure particularly where but we're, we really want to go back to Japan like ASAP we had yeah. the best food experience over there yeah. ever every little place we went to was stunning so I'd I'd go first Marcy in Japan what we never we, we I think we ate sushi once when we were in Japan no we didn't eat it once that was oh, the did, joke we didn't, eat we didn't sushi have sushi once, once. That's, I, I lived in Japan for two months when I was in my teen and teens and I went over being like all I'm going to eat is raw fish Yeah, <laughs> doesn't happen like Japanese no. food people have this idea that it is just it's not all it's sushi not. I was there last sushi. year as well yeah. same thing like it's hard to get good sushi even in Japan as well it's like anywhere it's like you really have to find somewhere that's do you know where we had the best sushi ever? Italy Remember really? that place? Remember that place? Paula Nano Amare. Oh, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's in Puglia. It's in Puglia. It's just south of Barry. And mm. uh, it, it's just because like that, it's it's all about 
how fresh the fish is and and it was like next to the trawler basically yeah. Yeah. and it was just amazing yeah it was but, stunning but you know like there's that kind of culture of like in Italy especially in kind of like that part that you know, the, mm. the Puglia where it's, it's maritime it's yeah. gorgeous it's warm there is the culture of the crudo mm. you know the kind of the yeah. ra- just the raw fish bit mm. of lemon maybe yeah. a little bit of and I mean sushi it's kind of it's a similar it's a similar there's a kinship yeah. there yeah. 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 which goes back to the stunning. take something good and don't, don't mess, mess it up. Don't mm. mess it up. Yeah. yeah. So after you've went to Forest and Marcy, mm-hmm. where where do we find William and James then after for their drinks and a night out? Where, 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 where's the cool kids hang <laughs> out? Let's on. What well, I mean, I, yeah, that's where I worked. But like, th- yeah, I guess I I I haven't really gone out anywhere else in the last six years just because. Antisocial as well. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. But you get your uh, you yes. get your free drink after work, and then mm-hmm. you're you're there. You know. To you're, be fair, Legilton as a as a place really has just cemented itself into mm. the landscape of just mm. Dublin bars that anyone can go to. The music's always good. The oh, food yeah. is yeah. deadly in the restaurant. Mm. When the I started, staff were always amazing. Yeah, they have an incredible shop now at the front of kind of a market. Going on as well. It looks amazing. Yeah. Sorry, smar- smartest yeah. thing I've ever seen. You can buy your vegetables or, or for an extra quid or two, the chef will prep your vegetables what? for you. Yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah. So That's the, incredible. Peel your carrots, do your onions however you want. Maybe get prep your sprouts, yeah. split them, get them ready. That sounds like, like an ad. Use code is... Marcus for. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I started working in Le Galetan, though, I it, we had uh, it was just a little rest, a French restaurant. Um, we had one beer on tap, and you were only allowed get a half a pint. It was Cronbacker. You were only allowed get a half a pint of Cronbacker. We didn't have any Coca Cola, anything like that. And then six years later, I'm working at half two in the morning serving like <laughs> like espresso martinis and Aperol like spritzes, Aperol just, spritzes yeah. and we've got every old beer the going. Cocktail and there's two bars now. The culture like, of cocktails and stuff really overtook the restaurants almost for a while. But I think they just realized you make a lot more money yeah. off drink. <laughs> it was also kind of hilarious, the transition of Fade Street Fade in Street. general from yeah. being a hilarious show that it was like Iconic. literally, which was kind of just yeah. like, you know, it's a cool city center street to live in to actually being a really cool street. Yeah, it was mm. the street itself was um a delivery street for mm-hmm. the Georgia Street Market and 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 on the other side then there were warehouses. I think like Gilaton used to sell it was like a wholesalers for baby stuff, like prams and things like that. Okay. So the street has re- has really well, changed. The show put it on the map, let's be honest. Let's, yeah, shout show. out to Fade Street. <laughs> um so we've talked about your kind of where you guys came from, everything like that. Just before we go into the that's hopping section, there we have a section called the Devil's Dessert, which is really it's kind of you know that kind of idea of death row meal. Like if kind of as I said, if somebody said, "Oh, wake up tomorrow and everything's good," if somebody was like, "Listen, tomorrow," <laughs> and you were like, "You could eat anything tonight if you're eating one last thing or one last meal." Absolute roast chicken dinner, roast chicken Sunday. Car the Sunday dinner. roast is always a popular answer. With oh, one hundred percent. Like, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I've been asked that question a load of times, and I'm like, I, I want to sound really interesting and cool. Mm. No, it's like a stunning mm-hmm. roast chicken. So, what, what trimmings, trimmings do you have with it then? What comes with your roast chicken? Sprouts, leeks, <laughs> gorgeous buttered leeks, and mm. um, why not sprouts and um, buttered carrots? Um, I don't know if they taste different, but I like when they're yellow and orange, like a little variety, some okay. purple yeah. heirloom. I believe heirloom, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, stunning creamy mashed potato. Oh yes. Um, and uh, obviously unbelievable gravy. Mm, gravy. Key. That's it. Like, what about you? I I, I hate this question because I can never answer it. Um, <laughs> like I, I I want to say something that's not you know something I could have tomorrow if I really want. But you have to answer from you. 
Not what you want people to hear. I'd like. I'd That's like, why I say roast chicken. It doesn't sound cool, but like I want it. Like it I want to be. I want to be in Kerbini, and it's the middle of summer, and it's like four. You're like, in prison. It's like thirty-two <laughs> degrees. Um, eating like fresh mackerel off a barbecue or something like that's that. That's good. Yeah, well, that's stunning as well. Yeah, that's a real ratatouille moment, isn't it? Yeah. Just like kind of that smell of mackerel yeah. or a sardine mm. on a barbecue. I just, just always like, remember yeah. growing up, and and you'd see we could see the sprat first, and they would cover the beach in front of my house, and the whole beach would be um, sort of shimmery with their their little bodies because they they the mackerel chase them, and and they they basically beach themselves to get away from the um, the mackerel, and then you see. Just as far as the eye can see, mackerel breaking the water, and you could literally, you know, put your hand into the water and grab a mackerel. There You're are that joking. Many of them. Really? Yeah, but that actually, the, the there's been such a decline of mackerel um, in the in the in in the shores of where I'm from, anyway. That 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 doesn't happen anymore. Like Moana, that's Murray. such a that's such a strong <laughs> memory of just seeing <laughs> Moana, just just seeing yeah. all of the the mackerel and 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 just eating mackerel the whole summer long. And and one of my neighbors used to. Barbecue the sprat as well, but I never used to eat them because I thought that was weird. But um, yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like such an incredible image. Mm, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, move over roast chicken dinner. Like, I know, imagine yeah. just being like, yeah, walking into the sea and yeah, the wa- shaking hands with Poseidon, <laughs> yeah. whipping out a mackerel. But the water, the water would be like, bo- like bubbling with 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 mackerel, and there were so many of them, um, and it was just amazing. And people were just, you know, fishing for their lives. It was great. <laughs> that just sounds like uh, almost like a fishing kind of like, you know, orgy in that sense where you're yeah. just going out and just being like, ah, I've got them all. Yeah. Just casting a net. <laughs> and mackerel is one of those things that I wouldn't really order in a restaurant. Like I don't love a mackerel salad or anything like that. Mm. I, I just, there's nothing better than just mackerel on its own, eating it with your fingers. Yeah. Straight mm. off a barbecue. It's just the best We did thing that for ever. the cookbook for one of the recipes down in Carabini and it was just stunning. It was my first time properly actually having... I think, you know, the mackerel you buy, like smoked mackerel. mackerel like, gets a I've bad never rep. had it really fresh before. It's such a different thing. Like yeah. mackerel, and I think I, I can kind of extend it to like other oily fish, gets such a bad rap mm, because it's, it's fishy. fishy yeah. But yeah. if you have, if you, as you said, walk into the sea and you're budgie smugglers and you're just mm. reaching in and you're whipping <laughs> out a mackerel um, and you're just literally, yeah, kind of cleaning it and throwing it on the barbecue within, it's... It's a magical thing. Yeah, well, it I goes back it's... to what you said. You don't mess with something. Keep it as similar, you know, as simple. Yeah. As simple. Yeah, definitely. Mm. That's that's a like that's a gorgeous answer. I think that's really representative of where you both come from as well. Mm. You know, yeah. it's kind of the like the from scratch roast dinner, and then mm. just the mackerel. That just <laughs> taste of home. Yeah. So, and what about dessert? Oh yes, oh, actually, dessert. we're not big. No, we're not. People. We're not dessert Maybe people. No, at not all. sweet toothy people. No, um, no, we have chocolate most evenings. A tarte tatan. Like, I always say that. It's just I, I, I like a tarte tatan. I, I would normally have seconds rather than dessert. Like yeah. I yeah. have seconds yeah. of the main. I'm such a savory person. Yeah, I'd be mm. kind of similar myself. I love like just give me the savory. Yeah, plate after plate. <laughs> uh, we even do that. Like if whenever. Oh, do you know what the best thing to do in the world is? Mm-hmm. If you're ever in a, staying in a hotel and you eat in the restaurant, we always get the dessert sent to the room afterwards. Oh, wonderful. Oh. It's honestly game changing. Is this a little life hack from uh, from oh. the Caribbean crew? Yeah, we did we did it in a dare manner. Like you go down, have stunning dinner, and then you say, "I'll have the dessert in the in the bedroom." They send the dessert up, and you can have yeah. tea, and you can just because I don't, you know, when you eat a eat a full dinner, you're kind of stuffed, and then the dessert comes, and you're like, "Oh, yeah. you're kind of forced." But you just yeah. while away in your room, watch a little movie. Yeah, you give it a bit of time, and then it's just perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's so can cool. you tell them to send the dessert up like in a while? Can <laughs> yeah, you, you can. You can. It's yeah, a dare yeah, manner. Yeah. You tell them what you want. <laughs> <laughs> 
That sounds amazing. A, glass of, a little glass of port. Oh my yeah. God, I've never thought about no, that. No, do just it. Sounds... And it, do you know what? It adds another layer to the evening because mm. then you're like, you go to your room and the dessert trolley comes up and much better. You hear the rattle of it from down the hall. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds, okay. And you can have a little shower after your dinner <laughs> and like get cozy and then dessert comes. But it's... like the, the, like that, the, I mean, the, ba- the Ballymaloo dessert trolley is oh, so I iconic that. and that mm. idea of, um, and they actually, she, uh, the girl I went to Ballymaloo with who started the restaurant in New York, she had a, a dessert trolley as well and it's just such an iconic thing and so amazing and you can have like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of that I yeah. think that's the perfect dessert I just really love creme brulee as well like I love yeah. a really good yeah. silky creme brulee yeah, I find that as well even if like you're not hungry after dinner if you see a creme brulee on the menu oh, it's delicious. very hard not to kind of turn it down just even like you know, I don't mm. want to be wasteful but even you know you know it's going to come out you're still going to have a go off it yeah mm. and sorbet as well I, love I always a find like sorbet. even in really good restaurants they always have like a chocolate brownie or chocolate dessert on the menu and they're ne- it's never good. No. Always no. dry. Really? Okay. Oh, I find it always dry. You know, I think, dry. I think a yeah. chocolate brownie you have to have some something going on in the middle or something a little bit of Even wetness. Yeah. Or, yeah. I don't know. I Moist. Just, I never think it's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that little percussive moment with the creme brulee where you, ta- you always take a teaspoon yeah. and you yeah. just... <laughs> like it's really... Yeah. It's almost like, you know, when, when it, like a conductor is tuning his orchestra and he's like... He, when he, he's ready to start when they're ready to start it's just tick 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 on the yeah. like that's that's almost the creme brulee moment it's really yeah, yeah. yeah. it's fun to do like. when, James, when James went on um, what was the show you went on and you had to cook um, you had to come up with the menu oh to the do seaweed disaster and he he thought it would be a great idea to um, do Kerrigan uh, moss pudding Doreen Allen's Kerrigan moss pudding which Ooh, is Doreen Allen's favourite dessert yeah but it's not everyone's cup I of went tea. on Master Master Chef or not Master it's like a blancmange Set with, S- with chef, seaweed. What, what was the name of the show? Master. It's not Master Chef. Was it's not TV3. The, the restaurant. The restaurant, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, I came up with a menu and I was like, I'm going to be really innovative and make every course include seaweed. That's, yeah, it sounds... Now, sounds cool, but like in reality, and then all these like Dublin diners come in and they're like, what? Seaweed? Yeah. Dulce? Kelp? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I thought it was delicious, but yeah, it was just... It, 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 each you extract like, the gelatin out of a carrageen Now, moss. luckily, yeah. Rachel Allen was one of the says. judges and she's seen the carrageen moss pudding and could could get it. But, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an odd dessert. And did anyone actually slate you? Oh, yes. I got slated to bits. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've Someone ever done. Someone we know, actually, it was so funny. And he had no idea, obviously, because you don't know who the Re- chef a good is. good friend of mine was one of the people. And in the, he, his face when James the walked out. The top table was like, <laughs> the, all the colour drained every, every course he ripped apart. And then I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. hi, Killian. <laughs> um, so just come here. At the start of the show, we mentioned our local fresh and tasty sponsor, Hop House 13. Mm. Uh, so we're going to go to a little section uh, where we ask you what's hopping, right? So mm. we we want to celebrate some of the most vibrant and local food experiences Ireland has to offer, but also we're talking about what you guys are doing. Um, so just uh, before we kind of kick off, just hammer home the always drink responsibly message and mm-hmm. then kind of just talk about maybe your plans. We we were t- just before the recording started, we were talking about something a little bit exciting mm, that yeah. you guys are kind of dipping the toe into yeah. um, that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be excited that is coming. Um yeah, I think in the in this in this era of uh, I, I don't know. Do you want to do? No, you or can listen, I go you, in the, mm-hmm. just in this era of um, everyone's unsure of everything and what seems to be doing really well and what seems to be really popular right now, especially now that everyone is sort of forced outside. Um, and I think that will continue. I think now that we've been forced outside, um, you know, I think that's a, a something that we'll take from this COVID um, era. And hopefully bring forward, you know, swimming in the sea and being mm. in parks and stuff. But food trucks are now so ubiquitous 
and so amazing and, and doing such cool things. And we would love to do a food truck and we've sourced a food truck from down the country that we can use and we're going to do it up and hopefully hopefully in January seeing it somewhere in Dublin so this is what's happening at the moment we have a Curb Any food truck incoming after years of talking about the Curb Any cafe I know do you know what we were all cafes are so (laughs) yeah well outdoor outdoor dining is here to stay and like I completely believe what you said there like the food truck kind of like it's coming hard now here in in Ireland like Mm. we've had there's been food truck culture in other countries around the world but we've never really had one here we have some great food markets like you know you'll go over to do it the weekend you might go to Bushy Park Marley Park these places Mm. and there's great food markets but I think like now we're really going to get you're going to see more and more food trucks I don't think anyone I don't think anyone even with the outdoor dining thing I don't think anyone would have thought pre-COVID that in October November December people would sit outside um, a restaurant um, and eat you know pizza or whatever they're serving in like sub-zero temperatures Mm. On mass, but COVID has proven they ha- they will and they yeah. and they. But you know what I feel sit anywhere as long as they can have good food. <laughs> and, and I think you'll probably shine more light on it. But I f- I feel like more needs to be done and more help needs to ha- come from the lo- from the local councils and stuff, um, and the top down to facilitate food trucks. Definitely. Like I, yeah. we were in Bushy Park. There wasn't any anywhere. Now, I'm sure there would be loads of food trucks that would love to be there oh, yeah. during the week. Oh, but it's oh, yeah. so hard to get in these places, mm. especially in Phoenix Park as well. Dash, which I love. There's a queue. It's miles long. There's mm. a queue for the Phoenix Park tea rooms, miles long. But that's there's no other things there. And I would yeah. say, as I said, I think uh, food trucks and stuff would like to be in these places, yeah. but they're probably not allowed. I think that, you know, the, the biggest change that's happening now is that food trucks previously in Ireland used to be greasy chip vans. And yeah. Mm. Whereas now... It's what you guys are doing with Kirbini. It's what the Sambo you know, Ambo. The Sambo Ambo. Mm-hmm. But by my own food trucker, you look at um, you look at one four seven just announced that they're Rilo. launching. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The exa- salty boy. Like the salty some boy. Yeah. Amazing mm. ones. Where all of a sudden it's it's not greasy chips and no. terrible food. It's actually like something really valuable for an area. And say like somebody can't make it to your markets or wherever I might be serving food or anything like that. A food truck might be able to rock up and yeah. serve something, mm. but it, it is, there's a huge amount of change that needs to happen in red yeah. tape. And that's where the Dublin City Council needs to kind of change the licensing around it and things like that because trying to get a pitch is the hardest thing. Like, yeah. so that's where it like, shouldn't be. No, because like, like everyone loves this and like yeah. you know, anywhere, like you've seen how well like each art is done. Mm. You've seen how well anywhere like food for like, mm. I was in uh, Anne's Park on yeah. the weekend and uh, like because people can't go because people can't eat indoors like yeah. the amount of people around Dance Park like and obviously it's always busy as it is but and like yeah. Yeah. people really want to go to these places so and like, it's why, safe yeah and these are these now. are things that can be actually facilitated really easy by councils I mean look at look at what they did small scale but and they could have done a lot more but look what they did with outdoor seating you know they allowed streets to close yeah. themselves mm. off to pedestrian they they I think they in some cases they waived people having to pay the, the sunshine tax or whatever it's called yeah. on outdoor seating like like overnight and they did it so quickly and, and the decision everything. was made so quickly and so if it, if it can happen that quickly it can mm. happen with, with things like food trucks yeah so. and if you walked around like say William Street Fade Street um, anywhere around Exchequer Street around that time when we have all this when, when the weather was a little bit better and we have all this outdoor dining it's amazing like absolutely incredible yeah. like, you have all and there's like certain restaurants that like are doing probably better than they ever done because like mm. they, it's that they've grown their business a lot just because they have this extra seating outside and it looks brilliant and it's fun to sit around like I just think much more could be done especially what you're saying there so and what like, hopefully you... next year next yeah. summer is going to be massive again mm. so just so I know just so I know that if we're going to be kicking off some kind of food truck rivalry here right now <laughs> on that's banging what are you serving? 
Toasties. God damn it. Stunning toasties. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Stunning toasties and coffee. <laughs> okay, amazing. Yeah. So, we've got, our thing is actually um, an ambulance now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, th- I don't think you can go wrong with really well-made toasties. You cannot. Um, no, we're not going to be in the same p- car park as you, so don't worry. That's okay. <laughs> we might be moving soon. You never yeah. know. Oh, chase mm. me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, William, why is there an ambulance chasing us? No, it's a Sambo ammo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, stunning made toasties, probably like three. Um, one I really want to do is like a cork Reuben. Um, oh, yeah. So using Tom Dirk and Spice Beef. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, gorgeous. Um, uh, a gorgeous uh, cork version of a, of a Reuben. Everything's going to be cork themed. Yeah. <laughs> He's brainwashed me. Um, so yeah, stunning toasties and coffee. That sounds absolutely yeah. incredible. And you said January is kind of the January. Update? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, I think as a as a section for that's happened. Some people are just like, oh yeah, you know, we had a nice box of food at home. You guys are literally like, we're taking over the world with the curb any <laughs> yeah. food truck and you heard it here. Well, that's it. That's... What's happened? The food trucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. I believe you have an arsenal out in the Indo. Don't absolutely. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it will have been out by the time this uh, this is okay. out. So. Yeah, but I talk about the kind of the Irish food truck scene quite a bit in it. I mm, kind of just yeah. talked uh, talked with Katie McGuinness about about that and kind of the, the changes. For I, the record, yeah. he gave us no advice and t- told us <laughs> to <laughs> jog on when we asked him for advice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, get out of here, boys. <laughs> Sling your oak. So um, plans for December. Have you any restaurants booked yet? Are you looking like... I actually do, but... Yeah. It, I think we I think we just found out today that they weren't going to open. I have a, I have somewhere booked on the fifth mm. of December, but I think I found they've they've decided that they are not going to open restaurants until later on. Yeah, in it December. might be a week later or something. Like, there's yeah. going to be different tiers. What, again. what date did you say? The fifth. Oh, I have the fifth as well. Mm. Yeah, oh. I think everyone has. I think the fifth everyone has the fir- It was yeah. the first okay. Saturday, so everyone was yeah. like diving in. in. Yeah. Here we go, December <laughs> yeah. in Rosa Madre or somewhere. I think. Mm. Yeah. Great place. Mm. But Love I haven't it. anything other booked. Than that, yeah. and just kind of lots bef- of places aren't taking bookings because no one knows. No one knows. Yeah. It's all yeah. it's all up in the air. But hey, by, by the time this is out, maybe somebody will. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. Maybe classification will have come out. And if you have a free table, back. please slide into our DMs. <laughs> I'll go anywhere. That's the thing. People yeah. will be I, looking back at this podcast, going, "Oh, you fools! You I, didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, only you knew what we knew." If you went on Open Table there recently, I was looking, and there wasn't a like there wasn't a weekend slot available anywhere in the C really? Centre for all the places that were like taking bookings. Oh my God. Like you could get a restaurant in Monkstown. Now, don't wrong. Nothing against Monkstown. There's brilliant restaurants there. Yeah, but like nothing in the city centre available at all. Like for Friday and Saturday nights. So, like yeah. I suppose like anyone, everyone, people are aware, and I don't know if they're opening up the full roster for bookings. Like you know, so yeah, mm. I would go anywhere. I'm just craving mm. the noise of other eaters and yeah. the noise <laughs> of plates and the clatter of, of forks and spoons. Well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So so we we're just talking about December and gift shopping. Uh, just finished on this. Is the Kurabini cookbook still available? It is, it is, yeah. And I think it's just it, it's got a little reprint a couple of months ago. So it's yeah, it's it, it's in. We were so quick to answer that. It is. It is <laughs> yeah. <my book. laughs> yeah, it's in uh, all local bookshops. Brilliant. So, yeah, and good bookshops. Also, I'm just looking at William here at the Chucky Arsesh. Are they are they still be able to get up? They're got? not. No, no, it was just a limited run. I I I wish I was not as lazy and just d- did a new release because they're so people you, really like them and want them. We were selling them in Tropical Popical. They're gone. All gone. Yeah, but you might have more, no? No, I've like five. I actually, you know, what? I have five more that I'm going to be giving away on Instagram soon. Right. So keep an okay. eye out on my Instagram. Go. I'm going to give away the last five. The last five Chucky Arsesh jumpers, yes, um, sweaters available exclusively on James's Instagram. Do you know what? I thought the sesh would be back by this stage. It's not. I'm. <laughs> you need to do it again. Yeah. Sash burns 
a, a little pilot light of the set burns on in all our hearts. Yeah. I've also um, stolen his website to sell my own. Books. Yeah, William's doing prints. <laughs> I've seen I, I've seen it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Mm. It, it is actually. Do you if know If you what? like butts, you'll like my prints. WilliamMuriart.com. Who, who doesn't, doesn't like, like butts? Let's <laughs> be real. Yeah. WilliamMuriart.com. It is a compendium of butts. It's a <laughs> true. It's like the National Museum of Ireland just... Instead of Caravaggio's, it's just arses. Yes. It's, but they are beautiful and you will be supporting a fantastic local artist if you do buy them. And I cannot recommend that more. Thank you. Absolutely. On that note as well, Curbini, as you said, is available in all local bookshops. Yeah, um, and you can pick up The Examiner every week for every our recipes every yeah. Saturday. Yeah. Um, beautiful. So guys, thank you so much for taking the time to come in. Tell us about where you're from, what you're doing, what you hope to do, what you like to eat, about macros in the sea, <laughs> about everything that you are genuinely just so involved in and very clearly of burning passion for. Um, and also thank you to anybody who's listening. We hoped, we hope that we've brightened up your day a bit. And uh, thank you to our wonderful sponsors, Hop House 13. They're what's hopping. And we're that's banging. As always, please remember to drink responsibly and visit drinkaware.ie. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.